We're back here for part two of Financial Tweaks That Matter, small steps for some maybe big impact with John Choi on this podcast. We're going to look at some different things we can, maybe again, to make some uh, adjustments here that might help us out along the way. Maybe you've overlooked some savings tricks or some insurance choices or just various different things we're going to unpack on the podcast right here on Middle Class Millionaire with John Choi. Becoming a millionaire isn't just about growing your money. It's also about protecting and preserving your wealth by using the right financial strategies for your situation. Welcome. This is Middle Class Millionaire with John Choi. John has his Master's of Science in Financial Services and is a certified financial planner and the president of Epiphany Capital. Welcome into the podcast, folks. Thanks for hanging out with John and myself as we're going to talk Part two of our conversation on some financial tweaks that could matter to small steps to big impact. And John's going to break some more things down here for us. Of course, as always, he's here to, to share his knowledge and wisdom as a certified financial planner and an instructor for the Certified Financial Planner Program. And if you've got some questions, make sure you reach out to him. You should always check with a qualified pro before you take any action. And you can find John online at johnchoy.net. That is johnchoy.net. We are into December, my friend. How you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing great. You know, I'm not enjoying the cold weather, but, you know. <laughs> well, it's what it happens in Chicago. So That's what happens in Chicago. I, I understand. I've lived here all my life, so it's nothing new, um, you know. So, but the holiday season is when typically things slow down. You get together with family, friends, and you know, there's that smell in the air. People are a little nicer to each other, I, I feel like. We well, we can certainly use that. That's grace. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, I, that's that's why I like the holiday yeah. season. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. And the crisp air is good, too. So it maybe gets a yeah. little too crisp sometimes, but I get you. Uh, so. <laughs> no, but it smells different. You know, it smells like it smells like Christmas. You know, you walk into a store and it smells like pine. You know, everywhere yeah. smells like Pine. Well, I'm I'm in the south, so I smell pine all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> uh, I got about a million of them around me, but yeah, no, I, I feel you though. It's definitely it's it can be a nice time of the year for sure. So, uh, hopefully, everybody had a great uh, Thanksgiving holiday, and you're you know running through December here. It'll fly by before you know it, and so you know we're talking about some things to think about as the year's winding down. Uh, certainly, some little places that maybe you can make some tweaks, or you know, it doesn't always have to be like a major overhaul. Uh, but we went, we went through some pretty good stuff last time, John. So we had five on that. We got five more I want to do this week, um, and see if we can give some some places for you to shine a little light. So let's talk about analyzing tax efficiency. Well, that sounds like a fun one to start with of your investments. But hey, end of the year, we start thinking about things like tax loss harvesting and so on and so forth. So uh, give us some thoughts here. Uh, well, you, you've got your taxable accounts and your, I'll call them tax deferred accounts, right? Right. And um, although you can't really switch from taxable and tax deferred and back to taxable and tax deferred without paying taxes, you can't really shift between those. What you can do is you can put the, the right type of investments in your IRAs, your 401ks, and the right type of investments in your just non-qualified, what we call non-qualified brokerage accounts that are outside of your IRAs, your taxable accounts. So what if, what I would do, what I would do is if I am, if I have growth type of stocks, growth stocks, mm-hmm. and it's not really paying me a dividend, it's, I'm just holding it for growth, capital appreciation. 
I would, you know, put buy those in my taxable account because they're not going to really spin off any income. They're not spinning off any uh, dividend, very, very little dividends, if any. And all my impact will be at, at, at the capital gains level. Now, bonds, you may want to put that into your IRAs because they're not going to, well, they're going to be tax deferred. They're going to be tax deferred until you uh, actually pull it out. So that is one thing that you might want to consider because if you had a flip flop, you'd be paying the, uh, you'd be paying uh, taxes on the interest and the dividends. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So you, I think you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, just going through the tax efficiency of your investments and working with a financial professional, you know, to really optimize this, right? Because, I mean, outside from the income strategy portion of it, right, you got to have money coming in when you're retired. Your tax efficiency is going to make or break the plan. Uh, so you want to try to be as effective here as you can be, clearly, because that's where a lot of the, uh, you know, the meat and the potatoes come into play, I suppose. I've always believed from day one, and I started this, I like to say I'm in my fourth decade in the business, right? Okay. Uh, so I'm not 40. How, how's that the case? Because you're like 20 years old, aren't you? <laughs> no. So because this is my, uh, this I'm over 30 years. This is my 31st year in the business. So right. technically it is the fourth decade. Tri- right? Yes. It's always funny how that works, right? You know, I'm in, yeah. in my 50s, but I've been around six decades. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can technically start today as a financial advisor and you can say, I'm in my first decade. And you are. You yeah, are. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Not trying to deceive anyone, but you know, you know how that works. But anyway, I forgot the question now. <laughs> <laughs> just being tax, just being tax efficient, right? Yeah. So yeah, just being tax. Oh, I've believed since day one, since I've started 30 years ago, that the best value, I think one of the best values that a financial advisor, mm-hmm. and I use that term in you know, kind of loosely, Very. that a financial advisor can provide for the client is taxes, is yeah. saving money on their taxes. You know what? I get you 7%. Someone across the street gets you only 6.8. Big deal. Big deal. But if I save you 37%, 35%, that's real money. Yeah. Okay. 0.2%, eh, 35 whatever. whatever. That's yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's gotcha. and you can see that you can feel that. Oh, definitely, it's super tangible yeah. for sure. So yeah, yeah. it's a great yeah. point to start with that one. Uh, let's go to the, this is an easy one. We were talking about easy wins, right? Taxes. Something people are like wait, taxes aren't an easy win. And again, it is if you're working with a pro who can help you out with these things. But an easy win that you can certainly do yourself at home. Uh, is, well, it's pretty easy anyway, and not necessarily at home, but it's just a matter of going on and filling out some forms. Is check these beneficiary designations, John. Just take a minute and update these things because. It's just going to save so much headache. Look, this is part and parcel of what a CFP professional will do. Okay. So people generally pay a 1% assets under management fee for the advisor to manage their money. Okay, cool. But managing money is doesn't really take a lot of effort. The other things take a lot of effort. This is part of the value add. This is part of what an advisor should be doing. Checking beneficiary designations. That's part of the fee. That's part of the fee. Let's put it that way. So the IRAs, the 401ks, you got to check it out, especially if you're in a second marriage or if your first marriage is ended, maybe mm-hmm. you have another significant other. Right. Can you imagine if you're, you know, let's take a, a Jack and Jill, for example. Okay. They were married. They get divorced. And now Jack is, is dating 
Diane. How's that? There Jack, you go. Jack, Jack and Diane. Diane. That's right. There you go. A little, there's American a little kids. ditty about them. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I know Mark's a music guy, so I had to throw that in That's there. right. They're good stuff. All right. So Jack and Diane are, are living together, and Jack dies. Yep. But his old life insurance or his life insurance policies that he had from way back when, his 401k from his job that he started 25 years ago. They have Jill as the beneficiary. Diane is out of luck. Yep. Up a creek without a paddle. Yes, yeah, because cool. yeah, because beneficiary designation is going to trump any wills, any anything else. It just boom. There is no arguing it. And it there seems like no every argument. advisor I know, John, has a story like that, right? It's like inevitably oh. they've come. If they've had a career more than you know five, six, seven, eight, ten years, they've got stories where someone's come in and you know a situation's come up and they just didn't change it and it's bit them in the butt. And it's like, yeah, just it's not a hard fix. Just change it, you know. Especially in things like you know marriage changes, you know divorces, you know birth of a child or a grandchild, whatever it is that you want done, just update these things. It doesn't take long. Cool. Yeah, and, and who do you think should be, um, who do you think should be having that conversation or driving that conversation? Your accountant, mm. your estate planning attorney, I mean, or your advisor? I mean, I, I, mean, I guess it, you could make the argument for all three, but you know, the advisor seems no, like the quarterback. No, I, I, I think because you're 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 touching your advisor, you know, at least once a year. I, nah, you're talking to your C, uh, CPA once a year too, but you know, he's busy trying to like get you to get him the forms and the W2s and the right. 1099s yeah. and he's like get me this information. Um, yeah, not like, hey. not that you forgot to take Jill off from a policy that's 20 years old. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. So yeah, cuz Jack passed professional. away. Yeah, exactly. And Jack passed away from all those chili dogs he was sucking on behind the Tasty Freeze. <laughs> uh, so if you if you remember the song that's well right. enough, then you oh, know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. There you go. Oh yeah. Yeah, all yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, all right, good stuff. So. Good stuff. All right, so yeah, I mean check them. Update them. They're easy. Let your, you know, just, you know, there's the there's something called the I think it's the 4Ds. So if you have a disability, a divorce, a death or at least once a decade and that's probably way too long, uh get those things updated when something changes. So think about it that way too that should happen before the the advisor even you know brings your investments on board yeah honestly that that should happen before anyway that's just my opinion it's a low-hanging fruit to fix though it is easy all right so number eight rebalance the old portfolio so uh, many investors set up an asset allocation you know right you get the job you do something let's say you are there 20 years or whatever and you, you jump into the especially the target date fund right where a lot of times this is the animal here. We jump into a target date fund because we don't know this stuff, John, and it's just easy. Okay, 2050, that's when I'm going to retire. That's the thing I'm jumping into. Oh, and it rebalances for me. Fantastic. It lowers my risk as I get closer to it. Well, a lot of people don't realize that it doesn't lower as much as maybe you think it does uh, or that you want it to. So, you know, talking with a CFP again and getting a proper rebalancing could be on the, uh, the radar. You know, I shot a video. Gosh, this must have been... 10, 15 years ago. And I was looking at the target date funds. And um, this was in the uh, 2008 market crash. And it was a 2005 target date fund. So this assumed that somebody had already retired three years um, before the market crash. I can't remember the exact numbers. I have to look at the video again. But I think the, that 2005 target fund, which you would have thought would be most heavily in bonds, 
because the person has already retired, I think it lost like 25 to 30%. Oh. And Ouch. I'm like, what is going on here? So people have this false sense of security, I think, in a target date fund thinking, oh, they're going to actually ratchet down and they're going to move from equities to fixed income or from stocks to bonds. As I get older, as we approach that target date, eh, not really. Not really. Yeah, I was reading somewhere that they a lot of them go down to about about a sixty forty. Like if they're if they're taking more chances early on in the target date, let's say it's still twenty years out, but as they get closer to it, they maybe go down to a sixty forty or maybe fifty fifty is about as low as they go a lot of times. You got to read the prospectus. That's true, and, and you got to you got to know what you're doing. So I'm not a I'm not against target date funds. I'm just saying be careful. Yeah. Um, that's well, all I'm saying. It's it's easy, right? For, that's why they exist because it's easy for folks who don't understand and maybe doing it themselves. But at some point, it, you may be you know working with a professional like yourself. They're going to probably get you out of that and put you into some other things. It's probably going to do a little bit better because it's just again, it's an easy thing that they built for folks. Uh, if you're doing nothing, it's better than nothing for sure. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So again, understanding and rebalancing that portfolio. Uh, number but nine. Rebalancing should be, I'm telling you, that's that's like breathing for a financial advisor. Yeah. That, that, that should happen automatically. If you're not if you're not rebalancing, that means you're not doing it with an advisor or I don't know. I don't I don't like to bash advisors, but maybe you might think about having a conversation with another one. Gotcha. They're not even rebalancing. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty basic stuff. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's do. We're going to touch back on this one here a little bit. Uh, we kind of touched on the first half in a way, so I'm going to frame it in a different piece. Uh, but it was going to be around uh, emergency fund balance, and we kind of started with cash. So we talked about cash a little bit. So let's just kind of keep this, John, focused on the emergency fund side of it. So if you're yeah. probably still working, an emergency fund certainly is a good idea. I think even as a retiree, I guess you could make the argument that emergency funds not really necessary because you don't, you know, you're not trying to replace your your you know three or six months worth of living expenses because you're completely retired anyway, so it's coming in for a different reason. But let's just kind of view it if you're still that fifty to sixty five range and you're not retired yet, having a proper emergency fund certainly is a good idea. Sure, uh, and you should have it in liquid investments, cash, cash equivalents. The CFP board recommends three to six months. Three months if you have a dual income. Okay. Um, if you have uh, more than one source of income. And you should have six months of, of expenses if you have only one source of income and you're married or if you're just single. So that's basically one source. And it just keeps you from tapping into some of those long-term investments and really kind of putting yourself behind it, especially on a down market, right? If you're yeah. tapping into it, you're paying earlier. You talked about you know paying the penalty if you're not the right age yet, plus you're paying the taxes. And you know it's maybe the market's down, right? So it's really kind of a triple whammy, so... Having the emergency yeah, the, fund kind the, of avoids that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the perfect storm, right? Yeah. You're paying a penalty, you're paying tax, and the market's down. I mean, you're losing, I mean, you could be losing 50 cents on the dollar, maybe. Yeah, Holy right. cow. And, and if, if you could avoid that if you just had a decent emergency fund to take care of some things in the event that uh, something, you know, something comes out of the blue. So easy yeah. fix. Just have it in there in three to six months, John said. Uh, you know, build it up. Do what you need to do, make those changes to get that emergency fund where it should be. And then the final one, John, we'll talk about automation. We'll finish up with automation here. Uh, and, and maybe it's automating the the savings, you know, like pumping in and still growing the money because you're on that still growth side. You're on that 50 to 60 window, right? You're still making, maybe you're making the most money you ever have or whatever the case is. Is automation a good idea in some places? It's my favorite idea. My absolute favorite way to save money. Automate it. 
don't let it touch your rubby hands. Don't let it go into your. <laughs> don't let it. Don't let don't it go let into it your hot dog you. fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't let it touch your checking account, man. It just, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right, out of sight, item out of mind. I have people come into my office, right, and they got their four hundred one k statements, and you know these folks are not making five hundred thousand dollars a year. They're making a decent living, but not they're not in the top one percent. They come in with four hundred one k balances, a million three or eight hundred thousand or half a million bucks, two point four million dollars, and I'm like, wow, this is you saved. You must have sacrificed and and you know just tighten your uh belt buckle one more notch and you must have like locked this stuff down they're like no i'm like how did you get well we we work for the same company for 35 40 years and we just you know put in the maximum in our 401k that's what our parents taught us to do so we did it we didn't even think about it and we open our eyes Mm -hmm. and oh my gosh it's a seven figure income Mm. it is so painless so easy it takes the excuses out it's just i'm telling you when you automate that's how i save for my 529 that's how i save for my retirement it's it's so good it's so good yeah I, I i cannot imagine not doing it that way yeah i mean and most of the time like i do tell my daughter this right she's in the navy and, and really in just a position where there's no excuse for it and of course but i'm dad so therefore she doesn't always listen but it's like look you're never going to touch it you're never going to miss it like you won't even notice it so just especially being younger and having somebody so much of your stuff taken care of by the navy just drop as much in there as you can and then go as much as you think you can and then go five percent more than that Right. You know, just to kind of push it along the way. So for her, I'm like, you should be dropping 20 percent easily based on your check. You know, I don't know the entire fact pattern there, but no, for sure. But, but, you know, the first thing she wants to do is probably uh, fund a Roth IRA. Right. Yeah. Well, so she's in the military. Right. So TSP. Right. She's you know, she's pumping money in there on the automated side of things. But you think about like we were told to save 10 percent like you and I, we were told to save 10 percent as we get closer to, you know, for retirement when we were younger. Right. right? right, right. Now they're telling these younger, the younger generation, maybe it's 15 percent. Right. Because everything's, you know, pensions are going away. But her being in the military, you know, she gets her she gets her check, but she also gets base allowance housing. Plus, when she's out on float. Everything is, you know, she can't go to the store. She's on a boat, right? So and she doesn't pay for her food. It's just right? pay for I mean, her food. They, they do right? feed her, right? Right, exactly. So okay. you know, the only thing that she's paying for really is her car payment, right? You know, so that you know, and which uh, she can't drive uh, on a carrier, right? Exactly. So again, depending on everybody's life's different, but you know, automate this stuff. See what it is that you can you can afford to kind of put into your retirement because you're paying your future self, and it takes the pain away. To your point, whenever it just happens, and you don't even feel it. Do the math. Okay, I want everyone to do the math on a time value money calculator. You can find that online or you can ask your CFP to do it. Can you if you look at how much money turns into a, you know, in the future, if you wait one more year or two more years or three more years before you tap it, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, retiring at 68 versus retiring at 64, the ending balance, it's it's incredible. And also the you know, speaking to this point where you're automating your savings, automate them early. Mm, so okay. look at the cost of waiting of, eh, maybe I'll do it next year. It's it's kind of like Chicago sports, man. It's like, wait till next year, wait till next year. <laughs> and it's like, come on, it ain't happening. Okay. If it ain't happening this year, it ain't happening next year. So you, you got to start now. And when you start now, I mean, if you look at the cost of waiting, it's incredible. 
there's numerous expanse, uh, examples on the internet of a 20-year-old starting now, investing for 10 years uh, or 20 years and never investing again. Mm-hmm. And they've invested a lot less. And they're millionaires at 65 versus somebody starting at 40. They're going to be they're going to be grinding their entire life and putting in more to get the same account balance. And the 20 year old is done. Yeah. He's done after 20 years. And yep. he's just like, OK, so that that's that would be like your daughter there. She's going to yeah. be in the military. I don't know how long, but she's doing 10 years. Know. She's on her third. So, yeah. So there you go. Boom. Just she's just putting that away and she'll come out a rich young lady. You know, I mean, yeah. if, and if she and stays she the whole twenty, away. yeah, that's how I tell her all the time. I was like, if you stay the whole twenty, you'll be a you'll be a millionaire if, uh, on the heavy side uh, by the time you're like forty three years old. So, and she'll get a pension, and she'll get a pension. So there you go. <laughs> uh, twenty years is a pension, I think. <laughs> that's true. Very true. So the, I mean, again, some easy ways here. Automate your savings. Certainly a good thing for you to do. No matter no matter what your age is, especially if you're still working, right? Which sometimes we'll get email questions. People say stuff like, "Hey, the market's down, so I, I'm not I'm not going to put as much in." To my, you know, my retirement accounts. It's like that's the wrong way to view that, right? You want to, you still want to be buying in even when the market's not doing great because you're getting it on sale. We're always backwards about that kind of thing. So, dollar cost averaging. So again, if you got questions, need some help before you take any action on, on any of these ten of the last two episodes, uh, little items and ways that you can maybe make some tweaks. Check with your financial professional, and if you do not have one, reach out to John and get started with a conversation, a complimentary conversation. You can book a call online at johnchoy.net. That's johnchoy.net. He's a certified financial planner and an instructor for the CFP program, at, uh, and he's also the president at Epiphany Capital. So reach out to him, have a conversation for yourself, and don't forget to subscribe to us, Middle Class Millionaire, on whatever podcasting app you like to use. All right, John, my friend, thanks for hanging out, buddy. I will catch you probably one more time here before the year ends, so have yourself a great couple of weeks. Thanks, Mark. It was uh, so fun today. It just, uh, it, it was a blast. I always love talking with you. I always learn something new. Hopefully our listeners do as well. And uh, consider subscribing. We'll see you next time here on Middle Class Millionaire. That's all, folks. Epiphany Capital is a registered investment advisor, RIA, located in the state of Illinois. Epiphany Capital provides investment advisory and related services for clients nationally. Epiphany Capital will maintain all applicable registration and licenses as required by various states in which Epiphany Capital conducts business, as applicable. Epiphany Capital renders individualized responses to persons in a particular state only after complying with all regulatory requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption or exclusion.